unity and that his power and presence would be manifest in these services. And if you're looking for something to pray for your church, pray that. Pray that weekly. Pray that God would continually have his way and have his will, that he would make us aware of his presence. Now, I've told you before, and I'll keep telling you, God is not a feeling, but God can be felt. And he makes us aware of his presence when we come together to worship him. It's been so powerful here this morning. One song that really just spoke to my heart today during worship was, you are the beginning and the end. Do you know that? Now, what does that mean? That means there's never been a time that God hasn't been God. There's never been a time that he hasn't been on the throne. In good times, and somebody say praise the Lord for good times. <laughs> I'm so thankful for good times. And he's on his throne in, in good times. But how many of you know, if he is the beginning and he is the end, even in bad times, he's still on the throne. And the Bible says he causes all things to work together for the good of those that love the Lord. And when he says all things, that's exactly what he means. The things that we perceive to be good and the things that we perceive to be bad, God works in all things, all things for our good and his glory. That's how big, that's how powerful, that's how amazing our God is. Do you know he's good this morning? Do you know he's worthy of our praise today? I want to thank you for coming together to honor and glorify the Lord. That's what this has to be about if it's going to be effective. It's got to be about Him. And I've enjoyed our time together already. Take your Bibles, please, or something with your Bible on it, and look with me to Isaiah chapter 40. I know that some people like to use their tablets or their cell phones, and uh, that's fine. I'm all for that. Just make sure that when you're looking at your tablet or you're looking at your cell phone that it's got your Bible on it because I want you to get a hold of the truth of the Word of God because the truth that sets us free. It's the truth that gives us exactly what we need for our day-to-day -day lives. It's the truth that's real and relevant for us. And so look with me, Isaiah chapter 40, and we're going to look at just three or four verses there this morning. I want to talk to you today about how to be stressed less at Christmas time. How to be stressed less at Christmas time. Um, yesterday morning was a pretty eventful morning for me. And maybe for some of you as well, here in northwest Alabama, we got a lot of the storms that passed through early yesterday morning. And we had some pretty severe storms that came through our area. Not near as severe as what happened just north of us in Arkansas and Kentucky. And I'm going to ask you, as you prayed this week, please remember those in Monette, Arkansas. Um, some of you were with us on the mission trip that we went on several years ago to Monette, Arkansas. And some of the most, um, uh, the, the sweetest, most loving people that I've ever been around was at Monette First Baptist Church, the church we worked with while we were there. And a lot of those have been affected by the storm that came through uh, just yesterday or, or Friday night through Arkansas and Kentucky. Several have lost their lives. Um, I don't know of any that lost their lives from the church, but that's certainly possible. Either way, they desire our prayers, I know, and they need our prayers this morning because like I said, several have lost their lives. Several loved ones have been, um, were killed in those storms. So definitely pray for them. Now, we got some bad weather, but not near as bad as that. Now, that caused a great problem for us at the Price household because my daughter, Anna Kate, from the time she's just been a little bitty girl, has been absolutely amazed by storms. I remember when she was probably three or four years old, she would always say that she was going to be a storm a storm chaser when she grows up and, and she always said that growing up the whole time and um, now she studied those storms I remember her looking on the Discovery Channel and, and anything she could find at school she would always rent books from the library about storms and bring them home we'd read them and she just loved that stuff and uh, after she studied them she became terrified of them <laughs> and, and rightly so you know after you see the power that they have then it's certainly a scary thing. And then as all of you know, here in 2011, we had one of the biggest tornado outbreaks that um, has ever been in the, in the history of the United States. And so she saw a lot of that firsthand. And so she became uh, amazed but terrified by strong, severe storms. And so yesterday morning, she was supposed to go down to Jasper for her guard drill this weekend. And she had to be down there yesterday morning, I think at about 6.30, and so that was gonna put her traveling right in the time when all of those severe storms were going to be in our area. 
And so I could tell she was a little bit worried about it. And me being her father, I was worried about her driving down there by herself. And so when she got up yesterday morning, I got, I got up with her. And I said, well, let me just carry you down and then I'll come back tomorrow evening and get you. Now, I don't know if she really needed her car there or not, but that's what she told me. I kind of feel like she didn't want the rest of the soldiers down there at, at, uh, at the guard drill to see her dad dropping her off. <laughs> that's probably what it was. And she'd probably kill me if she knew I was telling you this story. So let's keep it between us, all right? So I, I took her on down, um, or I was going to, and she said, no, Dad, I need my car. And so I said, well, let's do this. I said, I'll go down first, and you follow me, okay? And then if we get into any trouble, at least we'll be together. And so she seemed to be okay with that, and I was okay with that because I didn't want her to get in trouble on her way down. And so we're heading down to Jasper, and glory be to God, we didn't have one minute's trouble. I don't think it even, there wasn't even a drop of rain that fell on us on the way down there. Everything went good. And... Um, I took her down. Um, she went on to her, to her guard drill this weekend. And I went on down to a coffee shop in Jasper, and I thought, well, I'll just get me a cup of coffee, wait for the storms to pass, then I'll come home. And so that's what I did. And as soon as I got back on the interstate, coming back this way, my fuel light came on. And I thought, um, I'm going to have to get some gas somewhere. And that, and that normally wouldn't have been a problem. But let me tell you what happened the night before. The night before... Me and my wife went on a date night to Tupelo. Now, guys, I want to tell you, I still date my wife, and you should too. You should. That's not, that's not a joke. That's for real. Let me tell you why I date my wife, because I'm thankful for her. I want to keep her. The Lord has blessed me with a good woman, a beautiful woman. And I like going out with beautiful women. And I'm glad God's given me one. So Friday night, I took mine out. We had a good time, but when we left the restaurant... I paid for our meal with my debit card and left my debit card, that little black thing, they bring the checkout in. I didn't know that until I saw my fuel light come on and was going to get some gas. So here I am in Jasper, 50 miles from the house, my fuel light's on, and I don't have, I'm, I'm talking about, I don't even have change in the cup holder to get a dollar or two. I don't have anything. I don't have nothing. And so all the way home, I'm, stre I'm stressing about this because, number one, I don't want to be stranded on the interstate on a Saturday and ruin a Saturday. And number two, I certainly don't want to be stranded on the interstate in the middle of a tornado because now it's raining, the wind's blowing, lightning's crashing. I'm thinking, gosh, what am I going to do? You know, how am, I gonna, how am I going to make it to the house? So I'm praying all the way home. Lord, just let me make it home, you know. And I make it all the way over to 17, to the, the exit 11, to that sit go over there. And one thing that I've known about my car since I got it is when it says E, it means it. <laughs> and I was just expecting any time for that car to run out. So I'm pulling into the, I'm pulling into the uh, gas pumps, and it sputters twice pulling into the parking lot. And I was like, thank you, Lord, I made it, you know. But I still don't have any money. I mean, nothing. So I walk into the, to the gas station, and I, I know those guys because I, I stop in there a lot. And... Um, there's, there's a young lady behind the, uh, behind the cash register there and behind the counter. And uh, there's two or three people in, in line in front of me. And, and, she, and I, when I finally got up there, she, I told her, I said, look, I don't have any money. I left my debit card last night. I have any way of paying you anything. I, I said, I know my number for my debit card. I don't know if that would help. He said, oh, that's no problem. I said, I'll, I'll tell you what I can do. I can just type in the number if you know it. And then she said, do you know all your information, expiration date, and the three letters on the, or three numbers on the back? I said, yeah, I know all that. She said, no problem. She typed it in. I got some gas and was able to make it to the house. Now, one thing that I found out is that my stress level rose greatly over something I shouldn't have been worried about. I could have probably done that in Jasper and not had to even deal with all that. I just didn't know it. But isn't that how it works sometimes? We worry and stress over things that probably ain't even worth worrying about. We stress over things and worry ourselves sick trying to make everything right when it's probably not that wrong to begin with. Don't we do that? And I realized while standing in that line that I wasn't the only one who had a problem with stress because the lady in front of me evidently knew the girl behind the cash register and they began talking while I was waiting. And the girl behind the cash register looked at her and she said, well, are you about ready for Christmas? And she said, oh, Lord. And I thought, this lady ain't ready for Christmas. 
And she began telling all the things she had to do. I'm hosting Christmas this year, and man, everybody's coming to my house, and I've got to get my house clean before next week. It's got to be spotless if everybody's coming over, and I don't know how I'm going to do that with them youngins I got. And, and listen, I ain't even started Christmas shopping. I mean, I ain't bought one thing, and now I've got to do all of that this week. She said, I just don't know how I'm going to handle it. She said, I'm about ready to just pull my hair out. And then she said something I'll never forget. She said, I tell you what, I am sick of Christmas, and Christmas ain't even got here yet. And I thought, man, I bet she's not the only one who may feel that way. There may be some sitting right here in this sanctuary this morning or somebody listening online that feels the same way about Christmas time. Because if there's one thing I have realized as a father and as a husband, as a pastor, is that the holidays sometimes add stress to our normal stressful lives, don't they? I mean, we all know what stress is to some degree. Every one of us do. I, I do. Hey, I'm thankful the Lord has blessed me with my family, my immediate family, my wife, my kids. And I got three kids that are very active in all kinds of different things. And I'm glad of that. I'm thankful for that. That makes it fun doing stuff with them. And I enjoy it. And then I'm thankful that God has blessed me with a church family and a church to pastor. And I love you as my brothers and sisters in Jesus. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful that God has given me a job that I can go to every day and provide for my family. I see that as my mission field. I really do. I can meet people. Um, hopefully, I can help people. Hopefully, I can share and show the love of Christ to people at my workplace. So I'm thankful for all of that, and it's all blessings for me, no doubt about it. But that doesn't mean all of that don't get hectic. And I'm telling you, sometimes... I feel, I don't know if I'm washing or hanging out. When you've got, I'm telling you, stuff to do with family and practices to be at and games to be at and this to be at and that to be at and all the stuff you got to do when keeping up the house and then you've got things you got to do at church or you get to do at church. Amen. Then you've got things at work that, are, that you got to do. All of that can become so hectic that you almost feel overwhelmed day by day, don't you? And then you throw the holidays in with that, and stress level gets really, really high. And I think that's exactly where that woman was at yesterday morning. She had all of this stuff going on and not enough hours in the day to get it done. Let me give you a good definition of stress that I looked at just last night that um, it speaks to me, and maybe it will you. It's the gap between the demands that are put upon us and the ability to meet those demands. I think that's exactly what it is. Just like yesterday morning, I had a demand put on me when I seen that fuel light come on, but I didn't have the ability to meet that demand. The lady standing in front of me at line, she had a lot of demands put on her at Christmas time, but did not have the ability nor the time to meet those demands. And we all face that day by day, but especially during the holidays. Chuck Swindoll, one of my favorite preachers, said something about um, suicide just the other day that uh, really spoke to my heart. It really opened my eyes. He says 70 people a day take their lives through uh, by suicide. Suicide numbers, they don't go down during the holidays, but they go up. In some places, they go up 300%. Think about that. Now, there's a lot of different reasons for that, I know. But I think stress certainly can be some of it. You know, when you just feel overwhelmed with all the things that um, you have to do or you need to do, you want to do or you get to do, it just becomes a lot. So we all know what stress is, especially during the holidays. So this morning, I want to give you what God's Word says about it right here from Isaiah chapter number 40. How to be less stressed at Christmas time. Chapter 40, verse 28, we'll read through 31, then we'll come back and unpack this. He says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint. Somebody say amen there. And then it says, And to them they, that have no might, he increased strength. Even the youths shall faint and, not, and, and, and grow weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord, now listen to this promise. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Let's pray together. Father, again, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for this good day. 
Thank you for the truth of your word. I'm thankful, Lord, that it's real and it's relevant for our lives. And Lord, I'm asking that you take this truth and apply it to our hearts and lives today so that we might be what you've called us to be, what you want us to be, what you've saved us to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Three things that I want to share with you this morning. First of all, I want you to see the problem that we all have of reduced strength. I want you to see the promise that God gives us of renewed strength. And then I want you to see the purpose of the released strength God gives to his people. All right? So let's first of all look at the problem of reduced strength. Look what it says there in verse number 30. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. You know what he's saying? Young people, old people, all people, sometimes, listen, our strength is reduced. Sometimes we don't think we've got the strength to go on. Sometimes we feel, just like the woman in line yesterday, we're about ready to pull our hair out, and we don't know how we're going to get everything done that we need to get done. We have reduced strength. What causes reduced strength in my life and in your life? Well, there's three or four things that I want to give you this morning that I think will be helpful to you. I know it's been helpful to me. First of all, it's the demands of service that we have. And I'm not just talking about the demands that we have when it comes to our families or it comes to our job, but also the demands of service to the Lord. I had an older pastor years ago tell me something. He said to me, young man, you've got to make sure that you get renewed. You get revived. He said, you've got to be times when, listen, you get completely away from everything and just get renewed in your spirit. He said, because listen to me, You'll, you'll never get tired of the work of the Lord, but you'll get tired in the work of the Lord. And I've come to find out that is exactly true. I'm going to tell you something, folks. It pays to serve Jesus. It pays every day. It pays every step of the way. And I'm so very thankful that God has called me to be your pastor and has allowed me the great privilege of serving him and serving you. But let me tell you something. Not only does it pay to serve Jesus, it costs to serve Jesus. It really does. The demands of service can cause you to get weary. Not only is that true for a pastor, but that's true for a husband. The demands you have, the responsibilities that you have in your life, it can cause you to lose strength because you're doing all this stuff that you need to do, you want to do, you get to do. You better do. Right? Not only true for husbands, it's true for wives, it's true for mothers and fathers, it's true for all of us. Sometimes we grow weary in the lives that we live. It's true for each and every one of us. Reduced strength is a problem for me, it's a problem for you, and it causes our lives to become stress, stressful in a lot of different ways. I remember Mark chapter number 5. In verse number 30, I'm not going to flip over there this morning. I want you to write that scripture down. You can go back and look at it later, put it in your notes. But in Mark chapter 5, we see the story of Jesus while he was preaching and teaching. And the Bible says that while he was in a crowd of people, that there was a, a, a woman that came up and touched the hem of his garment. Do you remember that? The Bible says she had an issue of blood that couldn't be healed. And she touched the hem of his garment and instantly... She was healed by the power of the Lord. You know what Jesus said? Somebody touched me. And his disciples wondered, Lord, how can you say somebody touched you when this crowd of people is thronged all around you? But he knew when that virtue, the Bible says, left his body. The word virtue means strength. The demands of service will sap you of strength that you have. It really does. I've come to find out that as a pastor, you leave a little bit of yourself with everybody you serve. That's probably true for you too, Sunday school teachers, isn't it? The demands of service certainly cause reduced strength in my life and in your life in whatever area of service that we're serving. Let me give you another one. Not only do the demands of service um, cause you to lose strength, but also sin causes you to lose strength. You remember the story of old Samson, don't you? Samson was the heavyweight champion of the Old Testament. <laughs> Samson 
could not be defeated because the Lord had anointed him with strength. But Samson began to dibble and dabble in sin, disobedience that God had told him to stay away from. Well, guess what happened? Samson, because he was dibbling and dabbling in sin, lost the strength that God had anointed him with. Now, if it's true for Samson that sin will sap you of your strength, it's true for me. And it's true for you. Don't think you can just dibble and dabble in sin and get by with it because it will cost you. Sin will take you further than you ever meant to go, keep you longer than you ever meant to stay, and cost you more than you'll ever want to pay. And it all starts with that little bit of dibbling and dabbling here and there. It all starts with that, young people. You need to understand this. I want you to get a hold of this. I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I have made. You need to know God has purpose for your life. You need to know the world has nothing for you. You need to understand there's no one and nothing like a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Serve Him. Live for Him. Follow Him. Long for Him. Look to Him. Jesus is the way. That's not just for young people. Oh, brothers, the youth really needs to hear this message. No, you need to hear this message. I need to hear this message. It's for us. Sin hurts your witness. Sin destroys your strength. If it did for something, Samson, it will for us. Amen? Let me give you another one. Sickness. Sickness will cause you to lose strength. Now listen to me, folks. Get a hold of this. Have you ever been sick? Your body is failing you in some way. In that moment, many times you don't feel like being spiritual. Am I right? You may not feel like worshiping. You may not feel like praying. You may not feel like doing nothing. You're kind of just going through the motions. You're just there because that sickness has zapped you of your strength. It happens to all of us from time to time in different degrees, of course. But sickness certainly causes reduced strength in the child of God. Reduced strength physically that leads to reduced strength spiritually. Are you getting me? Not only do we need to remember that the demands of service, sin, and sickness causes us to lose our strength. Let me give you another one. How about Satan himself? How about the devices Satan uses to come against us? Brothers, if you will, please put for me on the screen Deuteronomy chapter 25 and verse number 17. Deuteronomy 25, verse number 17. I want to give you just a little bit of background on this verse before we get into it. Deuteronomy 25, 17 speaks of a man by the name of of Amalek. Amalek was a uh, demon-possessed king of the Amalekites. All right? Amalek came against the nation of Israel right at the time they were leaving um, their captivity in Egypt on their way to Canaan. And this verse describes what happened. Deuteronomy 25, 17. Remember what Amalek did unto thee by the way. When you were come forth out of Egypt, verse 18... How he met thee by the way and smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee, when thou wast faint and weary and feared not God. Now, Amalek in the Old Testament is a great foreshadowing of how Satan deals with us after the New Testament. Can you say amen? It's the same way. Now, what Amalek did, he didn't attack the strength that was leading the nation of Israel. He attacked those who had fallen behind. Those who had grown faint. Those who were were straggling along behind, he he came up and he slew them. The Bible says he killed them. That's how Satan operates with us. Let me tell you something. Listen to me, child of God. Don't miss this. When you separate yourself from the body of Christ, when you make the choice to stop being faithful to the things of God. When you're not serving Jesus in your local church, when you're not under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God, 
when you're not keeping your family faithful to worship, you're going to fall behind. Satan attacks those who become weary and faint. You and I can and will become weary and faint when we're not serving the Lord like God has saved us to serve Him. Amen? Don't get separated from the herd. Stay plugged into the family. You need the church and the church needs you. You are a member of the body. You are the hands and feet of Jesus. How can we fulfill the purpose of the head if we don't have the members acting in concert with one another? Amen? Oh, folks, listen. Don't allow Satan to do to you what he did to them in Deuteronomy 25, 17. Don't allow it. Stay strong. Stay committed. Stay faithful. Stay plugged in to your local church. What else causes us to reduce, for our strength to be reduced, for us to lose strength in the day in which we live? Sorrow. Sorrow. Some of you right now, your hearts are filled with sorrow. Some of you right now, you're not looking forward to Christmas because your hearts are filled with sorrow. Some of you right now have got your minds on things that happened years ago and it's causing sorrow to overcome you. Some of you are thinking about loved ones who's gone on to be with the Lord and sorrow has filled your heart. Some of you are thinking about broken relationships and sorrow has filled your heart. Let me tell you something. Sorrow, like nothing else, like nothing else, will cause you to lose strength. It really will. The scripture says sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. We find our joy in Jesus. You don't find true joy in any relationship man offers. You don't find true joy in the possessions you can gain in this life. You don't find true joy in the power that you have in this world. You don't find true joy... In anything the world has to offer, true joy is found in Jesus. Listen, quit worrying about what everybody else says. Let me tell you what matters to you, child of God, what Jesus says about you. That's what matters. He's the one who knows you better than you know yourself. He's the one who loves you with an unconditional, everlasting love. What he says matters. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Can you say amen? That's what he says about you. He says you are the apple of God's eye. That's what he says about you. He says you are blessed and highly favored. Listen, he says you are the beloved. Right here in his precious truth. Quit worrying about what everybody else says. Your joy is found in Jesus. Can you say amen? Man, that frees me up. That'll free you up. You need to see this morning strength that is reduced and causes us to become so stressed out, worried, and overwhelmed. But you also need to see the promise of renewed strength because that's what the Bible says right here. The Bible says in verse number 31, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10. Look how the Bible puts it there. Brothers, put that on the screen for me. Ephesians 6 verse 10. Watch this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Now, how are you going to be strong? How are you really going to get strong? The Bible says, in the power of His might. It's not in my mind. It's not in my ability. It's not in who I am. But we find true strength in the Lord. That's what it's saying right there. He's the one who can and will renew our strength. But for our strength to be renewed, according to Isaiah 40 and verse 31, we must wait upon the Lord. Now what does that mean? What is the Bible actually saying 
when it says wait right here? Does it actually mean to sit around and twiddle our thumbs and, and wait for God to do what God will sometimes? It can mean that, but it don't always mean that. What I want to do this morning is give you clear evidence straight from the Word of God about what it means to wait. What it means to wait. Now, how many, how many times have I said to you folks, the best commentary on the Word of God is what? It's the Word of God itself. So I'm just going to give you four or five verses here this morning on what it means to wait upon the Lord because that's the only way our strength can be renewed. First of all, look with me in Psalm 62 and verse number 1. Psalm 62, verse number 1. Watch what the Bible says. Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From Him comes my salvation. David knew when writing this that the only one who could truly satisfy his soul was the God of heaven. Now let me tell you something, whether you know it or not, the only one who can truly satisfy your soul is the God of heaven. And so David said, I'm going to keep waiting on God. I'm going to keep waiting on him. What did he mean by that? What did he mean when he said he was going to wait? Well, I'll tell you what I think he means. I think he means he was longing for God to do what only God could do. And listen, he was longing and desired more than anything else to truly experience who God is. David was thirsty for the good things God had for him. David was hungry for the truth God wanted to reveal to him. Jesus said, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. David said it one time, he said it like this. He said, Lord, as the deer pants after the water, that's how I long for you. If you want to renew your strength, number one, you need to long for the Lord. You need to desire Him. I'm not talking about just desire His blessings. Oh, folks, listen to me. Seek God's face not just his hand now I'm thankful for what his hand brings gives provision protection all the things that we see in the word of God that he promises to his people the blessings that he heaps upon us comes from his hand But what we must do is not just seek his hand for the good things he gives us, but seek his face to really understand how good he is. Are you getting me? To seek his face is to realize he's the God of heaven and earth. To seek his face is to realize he's the mountain-moving, sea-splitting, dead-raising God on the pages of Scripture that has not and will not change. To seek his face is to know his greatness in in and through creation, but to also understand his goodness because he's heavenly father. Seek his face. Desire him. Know him more. Long for the Lord if you want to renew your strength. That's where strength is truly found. Now let me ask you, do you really desire Jesus Do you really desire to know more of God? Let me tell you this, folks, listen to me. Don't don't miss this. If you you miss everything else, don't miss this. You have just as much of God as you want. Just as much of Him as you want to have. If you're satisfied with where you are, if you've become complacent, if you're okay with being okay, that's what you'll always be. But if you want to be a spirit-filled, servant of the living God who's truly making the difference for his kingdom. Desire him more. Long for him as the deer pants after the water. That's how we're going to long for the Lord. To wait on the Lord is to long for the Lord. Let me give you another one. To wait on the Lord is to listen to the Lord, for the Lord day by day. Proverbs 8.34. Everybody look there with me. Proverbs chapter 8. Verse number 34, watch how the Bible puts it here. Blessed is the man that heareth. Everybody say heareth. The Lord speaking through his man says, Blessed is the man that hears me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. Are you listening for the Lord day by day? Are you listening for his direction? Dr. Adrian Rogers said something years ago that, man, I love. I've always tried to apply it to my life because it spoke to my heart. 
He said every morning he gets up and he says, General Jesus, this is Private Adrian reporting for duty. What do you want me to do today? I'm listening for you. What do you want in my life? Folks, I've told you before, I try to every morning. I'm not going to say I'm perfect at it because I'm not. But every morning before I put my feet on the floor, I like to give my day to Jesus. Lord Jesus, I know you hear me. I know you want to use me. I know you saved me for a purpose. Lord, by your power, do your work in and through me today. This day is yours. Lead God and direct me, Lord, and I'll follow. And then I try to listen throughout the day for what the Lord wants for me. That's when the Christian life becomes exciting. That's when, oh, I'm telling you, stuff really starts going on that you can't explain. How did this happen? How did that happen? How did God open that door? And how did God open this door? I'll tell you how, because you're listening for it. Long for the Lord, but listen for the Lord as well. Amen? Oh, if you want strength, you can have it this morning. God's willing to give it, but you've got to do it His way. You long for the Lord. You listen for the Lord. You look to the Lord. Psalm 107, verse 4. Watch this. Psalm 107, verse number 4. Watch how the Bible puts it here. <clears throat> they wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Now, what is the Bible telling us? It's talking about the nation of Israel as they were wandering in the wilderness. <laughs> Let me tell you what I love about that story, though. The Bible says in the daytime, there was a cloud that led the people. And then at night, there was a pillar of fire that led the people. So that wherever they went, God was leading. God was taking them from the place of bondage in Egypt to the place of blessing in Canaan. God was taking them from where they were in Egypt under their oppressor and bringing them to the place of success at the promised land. And the whole time, he was doing it by his glory. A cloud in the daytime and a pillar of fire at night. But let me tell you something, folks. If they weren't looking for how God was leading, they were going to go the wrong way, and they did many times. The Bible says they came to a place called uh, Kadesh Barnea, and, and at Kadesh Barnea, they were right on the edge of the promised land. They sent 12 spies into Canaan to find out what they were going to be facing when they got there. Ten of them came back and said, man, they make us look like grasshoppers. We're never going to win this fight. And then Caleb and Joshua came back and said, the Lord has already given us the land. Let me tell you how Caleb and Joshua knew this. They knew it because the cloud and the pillar of fire was already in Canaan. This is like God said, come on, you can have it. Come get it. I've already given it to you. But because they wouldn't follow, they had to wander in the wilderness 40 years. Look for the Lord. Listen for the Lord. Long for the Lord day by day. Wait upon the Lord and he promises to renew your strength. Let me give you one more. Live, live for the Lord. That's what waiting on God means. Living for Him. Living for Him because He's done for you what you couldn't do. Living for Him because it's really the only way. Proverbs 27, 18, watch. Proverbs 27, 18, one of my most favorite verses in all the Word of God. Look how it puts it. Whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. So he that waiteth on his master, watch this now, shall be honored. If you go to a restaurant after this service this morning and you sit down to eat, you're probably going to have someone come along to wait on you. Is that right? Many times they're called a server because that's what they do. They serve. Proverbs 27, 18 is speaking about a man working in the vineyard of his master. And the Bible says, so he waiteth on his master. The one who waits on his master shall be honored. Now, does that mean that the, the, the one that's, that's uh, got a master is just sitting around twiddling his thumbs doing nothing? No. It means the one who serves the master in the vineyard will be honored by the master. To wait on the Lord is to live for the Lord, is to serve the Lord in the church. 
to serve the Lord in the church. You know we need some people to serve in the church? Let me tell you something. We need, we need some people who are willing. Listen to me, ladies and, and guys, if, if you feel so inclined and the Lord leads. We need somebody who will serve in our children's church and nursery ministry. God has blessed us with all kind of youngins running everywhere. Somebody say praise Jesus for that. I'm thankful for everyone we've got, whether they're six months old or 18 years old. If they're this high or this high, I'm glad we got all of them. Let me tell you, if you don't know what a blessing it is to have babies running everywhere, try it without them for a while. A church will dry up and die without young people. Young people keep you young. They do. So I'm glad we got them. You ought to be glad too. The crying babies don't bother me. Don't, don't worry about that. Crying adults acting like babies bother me. That really bothers me. I got to pray about that continually. Crying babies don't bother me. Don't let it bother you. Praise God, I'm glad they're crying in here. It's good. It's growth. It's life. It's life. Where was I at? The, the point is this, folks. Serve the Lord in and through the local church. If you can serve in the nursery ministry, the children's church ministry, serve in it. We got a Wednesday night food ministry. I'm telling you, the Lord is blessed in that and working in that, and I'm so thankful for it. I, I can promise you this. Uh, Brother Rory, Miss Abby, I know they'd take, some, they'd take some help in there. Find a way to serve in there. Maybe God's leading you to take a Sunday school class or to, or, 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 or to uh, uh, do something at, with, with, with teaching and the gift that God's given you. Hey, listen, we can do that. Pray for how God wants to use you. Some of y'all can sing and play instruments. Why not sing and play instruments for Jesus? How about doing that? God's gifted you with a talent. Use it for him. We got this worship band up here just rocking out every Sunday morning. Get in there and get involved with it. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord in the church. Serve the Lord at your house. Serve the Lord at your workplace. Serve Jesus day by day. That's what it means to wait on him. Oh, folks, listen to me. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. I'm telling you this is truth. If this ain't truth and you don't want to believe it, let's close our, Bi let's close our Bibles and sell this building. But if this is the truth, let's apply it to our life. Amen? Those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength and rise up on wings like eagles. Isaiah 40 and 31, my last, and I'm going to do this quickly, so just hang with me. You need to see the problem of reduced strength, the promise of renewed strength, but also the purpose, the purpose of the strength that we're given by the Lord. And he tells us that right here in Isaiah chapter 40. Look with me at verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Number one, the first purpose of the strength given to us by the Lord is so that we might be renewed in Him. Now, renewed for what purpose? To, to rise up in the time of adversity because all of us are going to find some times in our lives when adversity comes our way. Can you say amen? Now, now that's what the, the, the illustration of the eagle is all about. He says they'll rise up on wings like eagles. Now, let me tell you what that, that, that's painting the picture of. How many of you know an eagle don't fear the storm? I watched a special on the eagles um, on Discovery Channel not too, too long ago. Man, it, it amazed me. And this scripture came to life when I saw it. Do you know that an eagle can spend hours upon hours soaring on the currents of air that will push him up to the heavens when a storm comes. Matter of fact, he looks for the storm. When the storm comes, he just spreads them big old wings and those currents of air raise him up and he will fly over the storm in complete peace while the storm is raging beneath. Now, he didn't say nothing when I seen him flying around, but I could tell by the look on his face he was liking it. He's just soaring. It was so cool, man. Up above the storm. Let me tell you something. Christianity is not about the absence of problems, the absence of storms. Christianity 
is about the power given by God, the strength given by God in the midst of storms to help us through. There's going to be times in your life, child of God, where you're going to need strength when times of adversity come. Now, why does God give it to us? Because if you hadn't had those times, it's coming for you. And when it does, he's able. He'll lift you up on eagle's wings and carry you above the storm. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us, if you believe it, say amen. Listen, Jesus said, in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Somebody say we're overcomers. If he's overcome the world, we can too, and whatever's in it. So he gives us strength in times of adversity so that we can rise up above the storm. But let, let me say something else to you. He also gives us strength to run in times of opportunity. Watch this. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mud up as wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. There's going to be times when you're going to need to run. I think about, oh, Philip. Y'all remember Philip in the, in the first part of Acts? The Bible says that Philip was preaching a revival meeting in Samaria. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God said, Philip, I want you to leave where you're at, this revival service that's going on, and go out into the middle of the desert. And when you get there, I'm going to show you what you're going to do. So Philip does exactly what the Lord says. He leaves, goes out into Gaza, into the middle of the desert. And the Bible says while he was there, while he was there, there was an Ethiopian sitting in a chariot, and he was reading the book of Isaiah. Now the next part I love, the Bible says Philip ran. To the man that was reading the book we're studying this morning, Isaiah. And that man just happened to be reading at the part in Isaiah 53 where it says that he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by stripes we're healed. And he said, who is this man saying this of him himself or for someone else? And right there, the Bible says, Philip, after having run to meet the chariot, preached unto him Jesus. Well, we need some runners. There's going to be times when God opens the door of opportunity and he says, run, go do it. And he'll give you the strength to do just that. I've heard people say, well, brother, I'd love to go on that mission trip with you. I'm telling you, I just don't think I can do it. He'll give you strength to run and not grow weary. Are you hearing me? Brother, I'd love to do this in the church, but I just don't think my help will hold out. He'll give you the strength to run and not grow weary. Boy, if I ever get this lined out, man, I'm going to be on fire for Jesus. I'm going to do whatever he wants. He'll give you the strength to run now and not grow weary. When opportunity arises, he gives us strength to run and meet those opportunities. He gives us strength in times of adversity. He gives us strength for times of opportunity. But let me give you the last one. Let me give you the last one. I love this one. Look at Isaiah 40 and 31, the last part of this verse. And they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk. They shall walk and not faint. Does that seem backwards to you? Does it? I mean, shouldn't it be walk, run, then fly like an eagle? But that ain't how the Lord puts this in here. He says, well, fly, run, and then walk. Why? There's going to be times when you're going to have to have strength in the face of adversity and rise up above the storm. Those are times in your life. There's going to be times when you're going to need to run when opportunity presents itself. That happens at different times in your life. But let me tell you something. Most of what's going to happen is day-to-day -day living. He gives us strength in times of necessity so that we can walk and not faint. I'm talking about when life is just life, when you're just doing the stuff that you do. You're getting up, going to work, coming home, cleaning the house, <laughs> watching the kids, um, trying to make it home from Jasper in the car. Just ordinary, everyday stuff that all of us do daily. The Bible promises, I'll give you strength and that's when we need it most. Amen? I don't know about you, but sometimes I get sick of the mundane. I told you, I'm thankful for my job, but sometimes I get sick of my job. How about you? 
It's a blessing, yes, but man, it's, it's over. Same old thing. What? Hey. Like that sometimes. But, but realize, God does his greatest work and the things we sometimes see as small. So he wants us consistently, consistently meeting the daily necessity of what he's called us to do so he gives us the strength to do it. Aren't you thankful that God gives us strength in every area of our lives if we'll wait on him? Everybody stand together. I want to tell you this. Jesus loves you today. And you may just be stressed beyond measure. You may, your stress level may be up to here. And you're wondering how you're going to make it through. I'll tell you how. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5 that if we'll humble ourselves and cast our care upon the Lord, He's ready, willing, and able to take our burdens because He cares for us. Amen? He'll give you His strength and take your weakness. I'm telling you, He's good. I don't know what is happening with you mentally, emotionally at this time of year. I know for not everybody this is a happy time. I've tried to make that clear this morning. Let me tell you this. Look to Jesus. Listen for Jesus. Live for Jesus. Listen to me. Listen to me. Long for Jesus. Wait on the Lord. He'll renew your strength. As your pastor, I'd love to pray for you if you've got special prayer needs. If you need to be saved, I do want you to come and I want to pray with you. Not that I can save you, but I can show you who can. So if you need the Lord in any way, would you come today?